0: Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 207 of the GDPR Weekly Show, the number one GDPR podcast worldwide. We begin this week in Liverpool, where Liverpool City Council has been told it faces no further action from the ICO after a data breach. We then travel to the south of England, where Southern Co op, Bicamas, face a legal challenge. We then news globally that Facebook business accounts are being hijacked by malware. We then return to the UK with news that Bromford Housing Association has had a data breach. And then we travel to Germany where it's not been a good week for mobile phone operators because Deutsche Telekom, Telefonica 02, and Vodafone have all been referred to the Northwest Westphalia District Court for GDPR breaches. We then have news from any Mac users listening because Mac malware has been found to be being controlled via cloud storage. We then travel to Idaho in the US, where St. Luke's Health System has had a data breach, and then to Washington State, where Becku Credit Union has had a data breach. Remaining in the US, we have news that Uber has reached agreement with the US Department of Justice after a data breach cover-up. And finally this week, we have news that UK universities have been told that GDPR should not prevent the recording of the outcomes of cases of harassment. So, as always, a great range of articles for you this week. We hope you find the information in the articles useful and informative. And, of course, if you've any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at GDPRweeklyShow.com. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR made simple. Available now on Amazon. Liverpool City Council, which sent letters addressed to the wrong names for 10,000 homes, awaiting attempts at that rebate, will face no further action from the ICO. The £150-pound rebate is part of the £32 million government scheme to help people with the rising costs of gas and electricity. The Liberal City Council apologised and referred the case to the Information Commissioner's Office, the ICO. The Watchdog said it had given the Council data protection advice and closed the case with no further action. The local authorities sent out 1,000 letters to homes across the city that do not pay by direct debit, inviting them to apply for a payback. It was only after they were issued that council officials realised the wrong name to been put on the letter. A spokesperson for the ICO confirmed it had received a referral from Liverpool City Council. She said, after carefully reviewing the information provided, we gave data protection advice recommendations to the council and closed the case with no further action. New letters were issued to homes impacted by the breach and advice on how to destroy the original, as well as a reminder of how to apply for a rebate online. Liverpool City Council said in a statement. We will work as fast as we can to ensure that we fund the funds are deposited in residence accounts as quickly as possible. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. The Southern Toop chain is facing a legal challenge to its use of facial recognition technology to cut crime. Big Brother Watch has complained to the ICO about biometric surveillance at the Southern Toop shops. The privacy campaign group says the system at the convenience stores breaches data protection and people may end up on a watch list without knowing. But Southern Co-op says it's only using the face watch system in shops with a history of crime to protect its staff. Southern Co-op runs 200 convenience stores across southern England, of which 35 have been installed. A single camera captures the faces of people who enter the shops and the images are analysed and converted into biometric data. This is then compared with a database of people with the cooperative says have stolen from its shops or been violent to staff. A spokeswoman said the watch list was not a list of people with criminal convictions but of people for which the business had evidence of criminal or antisocial behaviour. Any shop of previously banned would be asked to leave and others would be approached by staff with an offer of how can I help to make it clear their presence had been detected. Big Brother Watch has challenged the legality of the system in the submission to the ICO shared with the BBC. The group says the biometric stands are Orwellian extreme. The supermarket is adding customers to the secret watch lists with no due process, and shoppers to be spied on, blacklisted across multiple stores, and denied food shopping despite being entirely innocent, said Big Brother Watch's director, Silky Carlo. This is deeply unethical and a frankly chilling way for any business to behave. The complaint to the ICO claims that the system breaches the because information is processed in ways which are not proportionate to crime. Big Brother Watch argues that facial recognition is privacy-intrusive in general and highly privacy-intrusive for people whose details are on the watch list. This was not justified because the system was not necessarily preventing crime, it said. It does not bring serious criminals to justice. It does not protect the public from harm in any meaningful way, the complaint goes on. At best, it displaces crime, empowering individual businesses to keep undesirables out of their stores and move them elsewhere. The data produced from the facial recognition cameras is deleted after being compared with the watch list, but the original picture is kept for 72 hours in case an individual subsequently breaks the law or is violent to staff. Southern Top said it would welcome any constructive feedback from ICO. We take our responsibilities around the use of facial recognition extremely seriously and work hard to balance our customers' rights with the need to protect our colleagues and customers from unacceptable violence and abuse, it said. The safety of our colleagues and customers is paramount, and this technology has made a significant difference in the limited number of high risk locations where it's being used. Signs is on display in relevant stores as long as it continues to prevent violent attacks, then we believe its use is justified. The cameras are in use at Southern Colt Shops in towns and cities, including Portsmouth, Southampton, Bristol, Bournemouth, Hove, Croydon, and Chichester. FaceWatch also provides the biometric cameras to Trostutter, Sports Direct, Spa, Nisa stores, and Fraser's Group. Facebook says facial recognition may be used where it is necessary because other methods to prevent crime, such as policing, CCTV and man guarding, have been tried and failed. Any privacy intrusion is minimal and proportionate. Facewatch has proven to be effective at crime prevention, and our clients experience a significant reduction in crime. When we have any update on this from the ICO, we will report it to you right here on the Weekly Show. Companies operating Facebook business or ad accounts have been warned of a new info stealing campaign in which threat actors seize access privileges to such accounts for a profit. The operation begins with threat actors scouting LinkedIn for individuals within companies who have high-level access to a Facebook business account. Targets are then the subject of phishing in order to steal their login credentials. Once access to the business is acquired, the threat actors alter payment information, invoices, credit card details and transactions for their own profit. Researchers at WizSecure discovered the ongoing campaign when, which they dubbed Ducktail, in a publication on the campaign released today. They believe it's been operational since late 2021 and have found evidence to suggest that the threat actors themselves are based in Vietnam. Those involved, such as managerial, digital media, marketing or human resources are particularly targeted and typically sent a link to an archive file on a child hosting site under a false pretense. This contains a malware executable along with several files named after brand keywords. Once activated, the malware is tailor-made to extract Facebook session cookies from the browsers of its victims along with security credentials obtained through the initial session cookie. After personal information has been stolen from the victim, malware steals sensitive information from all business and advert accounts associated with that victim's personal account. It also attempts to grant administrator or finance editor roles to email addresses used by the threat actors. Once granted, Facebook considers the threat actors to be legitimate administrators and they can access all accounts, tools and settings associated with the business as well as remove the business manager. Stolen data is exfiltrated through Telegram to the DuckTale command and control channel. Extracting the user agent of the victim's browser allows the threat actors to make requests to Facebook endpoints, thereby making requests appear as if they're coming from the victim's browser. The malware's ability to steal access tokens, two-factor authentication codes and the victim's IP address gives threat actors the ability to do this masked attacks from external machines. Facebook business admins have been urged to regularly review the privileges of users within their account and revoke access for any unknown users with the role of finance editor or administrator. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com Bromford Housing Association, which provides housing across central and southwest England, has been subject to a data breach. On Wednesday, it sent out an email to its customers, telling customers that the Housing Association had identified some malicious attempts to access their systems. Bromford Housing Association said they don't have any evidence that these attempts were successful, but as a precaution, they've taken steps to secure their systems, including temporarily taking their customer portal offline. The email tells residents that their neighbourhood coaches are still working and that they should contact their neighbourhood coach if they have any questions. They are warned, however, that their neighbourhood coach won't be able to deal with any repair inquiries or receive emails, and they can't access their systems to check your accounts right now, but they can still help tenants by offering their advice and assistance. Residents were told they can contact their neighbourhood coach by phone call or text message. In a statement, Bromford Housing Association said, Thank you for your patience during this time. We are striving to return our services to normal as soon as we can. We will continue providing further updates on our social media channels and on the dedicated page we've set up on our website. Kevin Bennett, Director of Customer Experience, said, If tenants have any queries, they should speak to their neighbourhood coach or call the Housing Association if it's an emergency. If we get any further update on this from Bonford Housing Association, we will talk to you in the next episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. Wish it was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR made simple. Available now on Amazon. A number of German mobile operators have fallen and foul of Europe's GDPR, with North Rhine-Westphalia's Regional Consumer Advice Bureau taking action against Deutsche Telekom, Telefonica, O2, and Vodafone. The operators have allegedly been passing on customer data to credit agencies, but have been following their own guidelines by filtering out any sensitive or negative mentions. However, it seems that even the so-called positive data subsequently forwarded to the agencies represented a breach, according to the Consumer Advice Bureau, since in certain circumstances it could be used to make negative decisions on an individual's credit worthiness. The case has been forwarded to the North Rhine-Westphalia court. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. A warning now for anyone using a Mac, that spyware has been discovered using a previously undocumented backdoor to steal sensitive data from compromised Macs. Lifting sensitive data such as keystrokes, stream captures and email attachments, the spyware uses public cloud storage such as Yandex Disk, P-Cloud and Dropbox as its command and control channel. Although such use of cloud storage has been observed in Windows malware, researchers noted that this is an unusual tactic in the Mac ecosystem. The malware, coded in Objective-C, was discovered by ESET researchers who named it Mensis in a blog post. The method by which the malware first compromises Macs of its victims is still unknown. A lack of clarity around the Zoology mechanism, as well as the identity and goals of the threat actors, has prompted researchers to warn any Mac users to be cautious and keep systems up to date. Once present on a victim's Mac, the first stage of Cloud Mensis downloads a second stage from public cloud storage and both are then written to disk. Once installed, Cloud Mensis receives commands from its operators through the cloud storage and sends encrypted copies of files to the cloud storage. A total of 39 commands can be activated allowing the malware to, among other things, change its configuration values, run shell commands and list files from removable storage. To bypass Mac's privacy protection system transparency, consent and control, CloudMensys adds entries to grant itself permissions. If the victim is running a version of Mac OS predating Catalina 10.15.6, CloudMensys will exploit a known vulnerability to load a TCC database that it can write to. Metadata uncovered by ESET indicated that the threat actors behind the spyware were individually deploying CloudMensis to targets of interest rather than attempting to spread it as widely as they possibly can. No clues to the intended targets have been found so far and the use of cloud storage as a C2 makes the threat actors behind it difficult to identify. It's believed that the unknown threat actors began to send commands on a round of about February 4, 2022. No zero-day vulnerabilities have been identified as in use by the group so Macs are regularly updated are potentially at lower risk. Mac malware is typically rarer than Windows malware for a multitude of reasons, including the fact that the larger market share of Windows PCs still cyber criminals a better target. Apple is a knowledgeable threat of spyware such as Pegasus and is set to introduce a new lockdown mode on iOS, iPadOS and macOS in the autumn. To Idaho in the USA now, and boys-based... St. Luke's Health System notified patients of a May data breach at its billing services vendor that compromised the protected health information of 31,573 patients on July the 27th. In June, Kay Smith, the Health System's billing services vendor, discovered a data breach which occurred in late May. On July the 6th, the vendor notified St. Luke's Health System that the breach had compromised the protected health information of patients at its health system, including patients' names, insured names, addresses, Phone numbers, ID numbers, dates of birth, last five digits of social security numbers, descriptions of services, amounts billed, outstanding balances, payment due dates, and status of the accounts. Since the incident, the health system said it has stopped working with the vendor. St. Luke said it has also found no evidence to indicate compromised information has been misused. The health system is notifying affected patients and offering free credit monitoring. Contact us on helpdesk at to Washington State now, and twitter based Betu began notifying impacting members on July 25th of a third-party data breach that had uncovered the names, social security numbers, addresses and account information of an undisclosed number of members at the $29.5 billion credit union. According to statements from Betu, the data breach was discovered on June 6th after the credit union's printing vendor disclosed that sensitive personal and identifiable information belonging to Becku members had been compromised. Betu said the vendor, which prints monthly statements for Betu members, experienced a network security incident that impacted their printing and notification services for our members and involved unauthorized access to certain data of some members. At that time, Betu took immediate measures to protect member information by suspending services with the vendor. According to Betu, once the breach was discovered, the vendor engaged a third-party forensics firm to investigate the incident, to identify what data had been accessed and to restore operations. Betu said, We continued to communicate with the vendor regularly throughout the investigation to monitor and understand the implications for our members. By July the 5th, Betu was able to determine the member information compromised by the data breach after the third party for Firm had analysed the breach. We are satisfied with the steps of the vendors undertaken and have resumed regular operations, Betu said. Betu did not state how many of the Credit Union's 1.3 million members were impacted by the breach but Credit Union stated it had determined which members have been affected by the incident. It's also unclear when the data breach occurred. A statement on Becky's website indicated the breach could have started in May. Members impacted by this incident can review their notification letter for steps to take to protect their accounts, including an offer of free credit monitoring protection, and suggestions to monitor the financial statements and credit reports for any suspicious or unauthorized activity. Beginning in mid-May. Wished it was a simple guide to GDPR. Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. Uber has formally admitted to covering up a major data breach which displays the personal information of 57 million users in November 2016 as part of a non-prostitution agreement with the US Department of Justice. According to federal Prostitutors in the US, between 2015 and 2017, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, investigated Uber regarding its data practices and during this investigation required disclosure of any unauthorised access to personal data. At the time, Uber did not disclose the November 2016 data breach to the FTC. According to the settlement, which was signed last week, Uber reported a breach to Government authorities, drivers and the general public in 2017. Following the breach being made public, Uber paid $148,000 to settle civil litigation in addition to promising to disclose any future attacks to the FTC. The decision not to prosecute was reported due to agreement made between the two parties and the company suddenly disclosed the breach following the appointment of its new CEO in 2017. The breach occurred after hackers used stolen credentials to gain access to an access key from a source code repository, which then allowed them to gain access to both driver and customer personal details. These details included full names, email addresses, telephone numbers and driver's licence numbers. Former Chief Security Officer of Uber, Joe Sullivan, allegedly attempted to pay the two hackers $100,000 to sign a non-disclosure agreement which, according to the Department of Justice, contained a false representation that the hackers did not take or store any data. Additionally, the Department of Justice alleges that Sullivan attempted to pay the hackers rather the use of a bug bounty program, a program where white-hat hackers reveal security vulnerabilities without compromising any confidential data. Uber reportedly paid the hackers $100,000 in Bitcoin in December 2016, despite not knowing their true identities. In January 2017, Uber discovered their identities and the hackers signed a new version of the original disclosure agreement, which contained their true names. Both hackers were prosecuted and pleaded guilty in October 2019 to charges of computer fraud conspiracy. They are currently awaiting sentencing. Sullivan was fired by Uber in 2017 due to his involvement with the cover-up and it's due to go on trial in September 2022 after being charged with three counts of wire fraud, one count of obstruction of justice, and one count of misprision of a felony for his attempt to hide the breach from both Uber Management and the FTC. The three counts of wire fraud were later dismissed on July 27, 2022. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Button. Universities UK, the selective voice of universities across the UK, has told its members that data protection concerns should not preclude the universities from being more open about how they deal with the harassment complaints from staff and students. Universities UK has told of a change in the culture of how such complaints were approached, amid concerns that a lack of transparency will put people off reporting harassment and damage confidence in the overall process, with some believing nothing is being done. A guide produced by Tom Hensley University has urged universities to move away from blanket policies that prevent the sharing of complaint outcomes and instead approach each case separately with the confidence to share information as long as it's reasonable and legally appropriate. It reflects the findings of a stakeholder group that was set up after a 2019 Equality and Human Rights Commission report that noted that many universities felt their ability to share information relating to outcomes and sanctions in complaints was limited by GDPR. Among the other key recommendations of the report, which has been shared with the ICO, which oversees data protection in the UK, are that universities should be more transparent in how cases are handled and manage the expectations of everyone involved about what they can expect from the process and what information might be shared. Policies may need to be updated to inform people that personal data may be disclosed in some circumstances as part of the procedure for dealing with complaints, the report noted. Professor David Richardson, Vice Chancellor of the University of East Andrew and Chair of University of the UK, said. It takes great courage for an individual to report an incident of harassment, and it's vital that they feel they've achieved something by coming forward. He added that the guidance was intended to empower universities to make informed, considered and appropriate decisions to share personal data while complying with GDPR, something he said was critical in encouraging more people who've been victims of harassment to speak out. How harassment complaints have been dealt with has become a key issue for universities after the global Me Too movement, shone a light on how prevalent these types of incidents are within institutions. In 2021, more than 16,000 students posted anonymously on the website Everyone's Invited, naming 80 UK universities where they said they'd been victims of sexual harassment, abuse, misogyny and assault. Several reports since have found that university students and staff members are more likely to be victims of harassment than the wider population, while critics say the widespread use of non-disclosure agreements by universities to prevent details about misconduct allegations being shared publicly has created a culture of secrecy. We must send an unwavering message to students and staff that any form of harassment will not be tolerated, but some current practice undermines confidence in that commitment, Professor Richardson said. The report states that a victim may have concerns for their safety or the safety of others if a response and action taken in response to a complaint is not explained. Contact us on Helpdesk at GDPRWeeklyShow.com We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show, and that you found the information useful and informative. We do really appreciate your feedback, so please do email us at feedback at GDPRWeeklyShow.com with any comments you might have about the articles we've raised this week, or indeed any suggestions you might have for improvements to the show. The GDPR Weekly Show is a insurance production. Please be advised that any advice given during the show is general in nature and should be not be taken as specific legal advice. You should always seek legal advice according to your own specific circumstances. Until next time, bye bye!